Welcome back to Feeding the Family with Dr. Kristen. I'm your host, Kristen Saxena. On today's episode, we're going to be talking about meal planning. We're joined by today's guest, Marsha Smart with Smart in the Kitchen. All right, well, thanks for joining us, Marsha. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm really excited. So, Marsha Smart, you are... Um, the brain behind Smart in the Kitchen, um, which consists of lots of things. You have a blog, you have um, your online teaching courses, and in addition to sort of having this um, cooking empire that you share with the world, you're also a wife and a mom of three uh, living in Houston, Texas. Is that right? Yes. And we were all the things. <laughs> right? I know. I've, I was just talking to everybody. I mean, I feel like, you know, as working people and as parents, everybody's busy, but I just feel like, I don't know if it's just coming out of COVID or whatever. Everybody I talk to is like, all the things are happening. We're excited to be doing them, but it's a busy time. Yes, for sure. And so I guess speaking of that, and we should mention, you know, on top of all the things you're doing with your website and your online courses, and of course, you know, at home, you have a book coming out. Uh, today, we're recording this on Halloween, October 31st, and your book is coming out tomorrow, correct? Yes, it's coming out tomorrow, and I've been working on it for years, so that feels really surreal to say out loud. Um, and I'm just so excited to share it with people because I'm really hoping people will use it and enjoy it. Um, and I really loved working on it. Can you tell us just a little bit about your book and um, you know why, why it's special? Yes, so the book is called Dinner is Done um, and it's simple weeknight recipes that I'm hoping will help people get meals planned during the week. So it's separated by salads, veggie sides, meatless mains, fish entrees, chicken, anything you would want to, you know, make your dinner during the week, but also some fun things like a easy cocktail chapter and desserts that can double as breakfast in the morning because if you're going to go to the trouble of making something sweet during the week, it better be double duty. I love it. I kind of am intrigued by this idea of dessert for breakfast, so yeah, be sure to check that, that out. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> well, you know, I just really appreciate your passion. Like you said, Dinner is Done is the name of your cookbook. And clearly, you know, anybody who's familiar with the work that you do, your blog online, um, you're clearly just very dedicated to helping people and families um, make dinner enjoyable, um, make it something that is attainable for people living real family lives. Um, and part of that, as we had a previous conversation, a lot of that is sort of doing the prep work or kind of setting yourself up for success. And so I was really excited to have you on today to talk a little bit about the strategies that you sort of teach the people that you coach or that you teach um, in terms of meal planning. So can you first so, just tell us why, why is meal planning so important? So I love sharing this, which is such a like, you know, might seem like a boring topic that I'm passionate about, but I do feel like it sort of changed my life when I started doing it because I was a working mom with three kids under five 
And the days would just get away from me and people, you know, we'd be, I'd be picking up my kids at school and other moms would say, well, sure, you're making something amazing for dinner. And, you know, the answer was usually like, no, I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to put a stop to that because it got to the point where my kids had afternoon sports and big homework loads and other commitments. And if I didn't have a plan in place on the weekend we wouldn't have dinner and there's nothing worse than having hungry kids who are like already probably stretched a little too thin with their schedules um so it for me it was like a very sacred time for our family that i protected and we've had family dinners and it's it's funny because i grew up with family dinner and we sat in our same spots and some of my favorite memories from childhood are sitting at that table and laughing about things with my family mm-hmm. um, or like, you know, looking at my brother and hiding my, you know, whatever I didn't want to eat, like under my seat or something like yeah. those memories are golden. And I just think that we're also fortunate to, you know, so many of us to have these lives that are so full. Mm-hmm. But I don't, by saying yes to all these things that are amazing, I don't want to say no to my family time or to my family or to my kids. Um, So it's just something that I've learned how to do in a way that's feasible for me with a lot on my plate. And so I've tried to teach that to other people. I love that. And we t- we've talked on our show. I mean, I'm I'm like obsessed with family meals. If you look at the research, I mean, they really are just so good for everyone in the family the kids the parents alike and the benefits you know they go far beyond what you what you even realize I think is happening in the moment Um, but I love what you said is it's like we we want to do all these things and live these full lives but when you realize how important that family meal is you do have to consciously sort of protect or privilege that time in your day in your week to make it happen and I think the other thing is is that then when you, if you protect that time, you're like, okay, we're going to do this, but you do need to have some sort of plan um, set up ahead of time to not make the whole process of making that happen super stressful and feeling like, you know, every day you get to the end of your day and you're like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to do. It's like hanging over your head. If you don't make a plan, I feel like there's this dark cloud following you. If you're the person in charge of dinner, that's like, what are we doing for dinner? (laughs) Definitely. Well, and I think the other thing that really resonated with me that you said is, you know, I think probably people see someone like you online and the internet and you're sort of the queen of the kitchen and you've got these meal plans and I love hearing from you to say, you know, even like when you're this, this isn't something that you've always done all your life. It sounds like, you know, you kind of also had to realize that this was something that you needed to do in your life to make it easier. So what was kind of um, like, how long would you say that you've been actively regularly planning your meals out? Mm-hmm. So um, I could grab it, even show you my old, I keep all my old notebooks that I use to meal plan because before i think in 2015 i started putting them on my blog so i've probably been doing this for over a decade um 
since my oldest who is almost 19 was probably around seven or eight years old and i love looking back at those old notebooks because you see how our life has changed like um you know it went from little league and girl <laughs> scouts to like college drop-off week and and just kind of the evolution of your time with your family but the as i said i first just started writing them in a leftover notebook that one of my kids had that was like you know something they use for coloring or lists that i grabbed and said i'm gonna use this so it can be anything it can be a spiral note need notebook or it can be a meal planner that you order but i think the more important thing is just sticking with your routine of planning not the actual planner mm -hmm. um, and then i started taking pictures of those notebooks and putting those pictures on instagram and people would ask me you know if i had the link for the recipes and where was this coming from and could i substitute you know chicken for the beef and that's when i realized that i needed them in a place that they were shareable and people could print and link to the recipes. Well, and I guess that really brings me to um, what the core of kind of what I wanted to talk about with you today. So you have put together what you call your seven tips for meal planning success. And we've kind of already touched a little bit on number one, and that was this grab your meal planning notebook. Um, and so you've mm -hmm. talked a little bit about that, but what I love that you just said was um, how you keep them and it sort of acts as this almost like journal of your life that you can look back on. And I feel like as a busy mom, those are like all those things. You know, I feel like the internet too is like full of shoulds and I feel like they, they just hit you when you're a mom and everybody's got yeah. this mom guilt like, oh, I should be journaling and doing my affirmations and <laughs> meditating and doing, you know, all these things. And so I kind of love these things that are like practical and easy, but they kind of can do double duty. As you said, you're like, it sort of does that little like bookkeeping piece where you can look back and say like oh I remember these days of my life and it was really just something practical that you were doing yes, like just I to didn't get through see that at all <laughs> it's funny like I'll see like hosting you know flag football dinner and it takes me back to those days when my son was in you know first second grade oh and gosh. I remember all these boys over and what I made them and I really didn't intend for it to be that but I I do also love flipping back and remembering a certain dinner that was a total hit with everyone mm -hmm. that I've forgotten about like some you know pasta dinner that I've forgotten that they love and I can sort of bring that back into the rotation yeah. So was there anything else? I mean, I think you've kind of talked about this, but like when you talk to people and you're saying like, hey, you need this meal planning notebook. I mean, it sounds like it can just be anything or, or are people like, what kind of notebook do I need to get? So I definitely like a lined notebook. Um, but other than that, it can be anything. And I people ask about using a whiteboard, which is fine, too, if that's what you're going to stick to. But then that gets erased every week. If you have an old fashioned notebook, you can really access those older meal plans and kind of, you know, remember what was a hit with your family. But 
any type of notebook works. Amazon has a ton of different meal planners you can buy and journals that you can find online, but any notebook works for this. What about, uh, like, do you have people that are saying, like, I'm not a paper person, I need things online, on my phone, et cetera. Do you have anything specific that you recommend? Totally. Totally. So I tell people that sometimes when I'm, say you're like go out of town on the weekend and you're kind of in a hurry to make your plan and you're not able to sit down and write it down at home, I use the notes app in my phone and I just add to it week after week. So I end up having a bunch in my phone in the notes app and I just write like Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And The helpful thing about doing it at home is I do try to teach people to look in your refrigerator and to look in your freezer and try to strategize about what you need to use up. Right. um, Because it will save you, you know, buying ingredients you don't need and throwing things away, save you money. Um, But if you're in a pinch, you can use the notes app on your phone. And there are also some great meal planning apps that people love. And I go through all of those. I teach a meal planning course that's um, a six-week course, and we do Zoom classes together, and there's some pre-recorded content. But I go through all of those potential apps in yeah. my meal planning course, <laughs> and I give them kind of a tech library of like things they can use if they like that better got it um well i love that because it sounds like i mean the point is is like you kind of find what works for you but it doesn't necessarily require anything special at all minimal investment you probably have whatever you need already um so number two brainstorm a list of theme nights and assign them a night of the week so what does that mean for you okay so i think this is different for everyone because Obviously, if you're vegetarian, you're not going to have like a burger night or or if you are, it's going to be a vegetarian burger night. But I think think about what type of meals you typically make a lot. Mm -hmm. So for me, I love soups, for instance, and I love freezing extra soup. I love taking it to someone who might need soup. Like it's just an easy thing to I could have done a whole soup cookbook. We have like 20. (laughs) recipes I had to take out. I'm making soup tonight for Halloween. Um, But I tend to make soups a lot on Sundays because it's like a nice day to kind of look through your refrigerator, see what might need to be used up and move it into a soup. It makes your whole house smell good. Even when it's super hot in Houston, I still love a soup. (laughs) So, So for instance, one of your theme days could be Super Sunday or something like that. Monday, I try to always do meatless Monday because I want to get more vegetables into my family. Mm -hmm. And that's been sort of a um, moving target for me over the years. When I first started that, I got so many groans and complaints from my family. That's so funny. I'm in the same boat. (laughs) Yeah. And I think they just, the connotation is like, oh, it's going to be some super healthy dinner. But now... They love it. It's like now I know the things that they love, like we'll do veggie sushi rolls or we'll do like udon noodles with tons of veggies and cabbage that like melts down or peanut noodles or some type of like spinach or butternut squash lasagna. And so now it's not an issue at all because I've realized what usually there's a lot of carbs involved in our family on Meatless Monday, (laughs) which is now the next thing I'm working on. But 
it's a balance and it's just for me a way to remember that i need to focus on vegetables yeah and then we do taco tuesday yeah yeah and it can be any type of taco it can be a lettuce taco i do these like ground chicken asian lettuce tacos that i learned how to make in cooking school um from our instructor that used to work at a hotel in hong kong so they're like these delicious chicken wraps they're actually in my cookbook um you're selling them well i need a copy (laughs) yeah for sure so wednesday i usually do something in the instant pot or the slow cooker because i want a one pot whatever it is on wednesday it's like a sheet pan dinner a one pot an instant pot something where there's not a ton of dishes because to be honest my husband does a ton of the dishes and he starts to get like burned out on the cooking midweek because if they're <laughs> but then on thursday it's a similar like i usually do some type of leftover makeover night on thursdays where i take something i made during the week and turn it into something new and then fridays i never cook we're either making pizza if i did like get some pizza dough or make pizza dough or we're going out or we're you know ordering fajitas in and I try to tell people too like if you really can't manage cooking this many nights during the week have a night that's like takeout night yeah have a night that's pizza delivery night like that's okay but I do think that having the plan in place will take that weight off your shoulders I love that. And I think, you know, as you talk about the theme nights, it seems like the big reason for that is really, again, you know, sort of so you don't get this decision fatigue. It becomes less overwhelming to try to grasp like ideas out of the air than if, like you said, you're like, okay, it's Meatless Monday. So I have these like five meatless dishes that I know my family likes. We'll do one of those. Taco Tuesday. All right. What's what sounds good for Mexican tonight or whatever? And it just makes it simple. And so like, again, it just doesn't seem so overwhelming. Like, oh, now I have to think of five things that I need to cook. Or like you said, if it's like, you know what, like cooking five nights a week is just too much for us right now. We are going to do takeout once but have it in the plan and then you wake up that day and you already know like i don't need to think about dinner because it's friday and on fridays we order pizza and and everybody loves it and i think that kids i mean adults too but i think that there's something to ritual and routine that you know when it's not monotonous it's not like you're eating the same things every day it's kind of fun it's like oh it's taco tuesday what are we having kind of deal so i like that funny You said that because I just had a conversation yesterday with someone about routines and how routines are the scaffolding of your life and Mm -hmm. they hold you up. And I couldn't, we were having a conversation about work routines, but I couldn't stop thinking about my meal planning routine because I felt like meal planning is such a scaffolding to our family's life. Like it just makes it happen and it sets not only the intention and it's okay if sometimes it falls off the rails. Like it's okay that you bought, you know, these chicken breasts to grill and you get home and someone's sick or something's, you know, the dog gets out. Like there are all kinds of calamities that happen in family life and you can throw those in the freezer and make them another night and order pizza. But I guarantee you if you make the meal plan like more nights than not 
things are going to happen. Yes. Well, and I love that too. I think you added that as sort of a, a bonus tip, if you will, is just this sort of idea of being flexible. And I love that too, because I think that, you know, when you see this, you feel like, all right, I need to rigidly adhere to my plan now. And it's really easy to get into that, like all or nothing thinking. And when on Tuesday, you've already gone off the rails, because like you said, you know, you have a sick kid at home, or, you know, we were going to do this, but, you know, some I got stuck late at work or whatever. Life happens and the point is to be like built into this is the idea that we this is a flexible plan and just because Tuesday went to crap Wednesday is a new day and we're going to do you know I've already got a plan for Wednesday so no big deal maybe you look at like what you had planned for Wednesday or Thursday and it's easier and Mm -hmm. you can swap things at the last minute because you know there's so many great delivery apps or curbside pickup where if you make your plan on Wednesday or on Sunday and you add the ingredients you need to a cart to be delivered to your house, you're good to go, which isn't always, you know, the most perfect system for grocery shopping. I do love to grocery shop myself, but sometimes it's just not feasible. Yeah. I mean, I think people find what works for them. And I think, like you said, like, it's nice to be able to stroll the aisles and, you know, squeeze the fruit and all of that. But there are some weeks where it's like, Yeah, that isn't happening. So I actually love, I think, you know, after we've kind of come out of a lot of the things that came with COVID, I think online shopping and delivery and pickup has become way more streamlined. Um, And I think that that's a nice thing that we can all, and we've all gotten used to it too. I think even those of us that had kind of held out maybe and we're doing less online shopping, everybody kind of, now they're an expert. (laughs) Yes, yes. Now you know if you want a Sunday delivery, you really have to plan ahead. Absolutely. Um, Okay, so number three was ask family members for requests for the week with a deadline. You put that in there too, I like that. So how does that go? Okay, so I wanted to get around the complaints. Like I didn't want to cook dinner and have my, you know, teenagers be like, ugh, like really? So the way I get around that is I ask if they have any requests on Sunday when I'm meal planning. And for me, my kids are older. They're, you know, 14 and above. So I send a text to my family on Sunday, usually at about two. That's like, does anyone have any dinner requests? I meal plan at about four on Sunday. If I haven't heard back from them, then it's sometimes I will come back and say like last call if no one writes back. My husband usually sends like 20 ideas because <laughs> he's like really into the ideas. And the kids will be like, you know, one will say like spaghetti and meatballs and the other might say, you know, can we do blah, blah, blah. But if they don't respond, it's okay. And I think it cut down on our complaints a ton because they had the opportunity to ask for something. Mm-hmm. And I don't always like make exactly what they ask for. If it's something that's too complicated for a weeknight, I'll say like, hey, let's table that for a Sunday afternoon because it takes three hours to cook or whatever it is. But if it's a weeknight item that works, I work it in somehow. And how long have you been doing that with your kids, would you say? I think I started that when they were more like tweens, like maybe after I'd been doing this for a few years and I started to, you know, just bristle at the (laughs) all the things that moms do, you know, you're the mental energy, like the mental load that's always going on. Like, what am I going to make? 
okay, what do I need to get at the store? Okay, I got the things at the store. I unloaded the things from the store. I washed the things. I made the dinner. And then if someone after all of that time and energy is like, ew, what is this? It's just kind of like, it, it can go negative snarky mom really quickly yeah i feel like a lot of people are relating to that statement like you're like i wasn't real proud of that but come on like (laughs) right what did you expect sometimes (laughs) even i'm like yeah you're like sometimes i'm recipe developing so right like during book phase my sweet family i i can't say how patient that they've been with me over the last two years because we came out of covid my cookbook was supposed to happen before COVID. It got put on pause. And then I wanted to change out some of the, the recipes. Like they just seemed dated. I had new ideas after cooking at home so much. So it's kind of testing a bunch of things and finalizing. And some nights it was like, you know, it was a fail. And then right. it'd be like, what is this? And I'm always like, get kind of defensive because I cook for a living. Right. And there was, that I was like, you're right. This is terrible. Uh, well, that's a good, it's a good test audience, right? Yes. Well, we'll know when we get the, the real cookbook, well, that they have already weeded out anything that didn't deserve to be in there. <laughs> exactly. Like it went through a lot of rigorous tests. <laughs> but I do love that because I don't know if you're familiar um, with Ellen Satter at all. Um, she She's sort of like a family feeding guru, but she, um, you know, talks a lot about helping families because I think a lot of families will get into this rut of sort of short order cooking um, or serving kids something different than they serve them that you know the adults eat one thing the kids eat one thing or you know like the kids each eat different things and I think a lot of it comes from that like you get it's it wears you down to keep putting effort into a meal that people aren't liking so so she has this term that I've used before it's about being courteous without catering in the sense like yeah. you're a member of this family and I value your opinion and so of course you know like I want your input into what we're all gonna eat together but I think as you said it too when you know that you've been heard and like your meal that you picked out made it onto the list you also know that not every meal is going to be your favorite so you know on Tuesday when we're eating my brother's favorite meal and it's not my favorite you know I feel like it it makes it you're less apt to be like oh I don't like this you just kind of understand the system like well this one's your favorite but mine's coming up on Thursday or whatever I think as a kid it makes a little more understandable I agree with that so much, so much in so many cooking classes, when I have younger moms who are just starting this process of like family dinner, like they don't have toddlers that are going to bed before they eat dinner anymore. They like so many women ask me, how do you get your kids to eat whatever you make? And my rule when my kids were little was that they had to taste one bite and they couldn't be rude if they didn't Mm -hmm. like it. So as long as they tasted one bite, that was fine. And I didn't throw a fit about, you know, them not eating dinner. If they were really hungry, they could have like pasta. Like I would make a quick pasta for them if they really didn't like what we were having. It really honestly rarely happened. And it's not because I'm some amazing cook. It's because they got used to knowing that like, it was a reasonable, there was a reasonable out if they mm-hmm. really didn't like it. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where 
you know, they would just eat what we were having. And I do think when kids are younger, you can take out portions of a meal that you're making, like instead of making something special for them, if you're making, you know, spaghetti with meatballs, since we already mentioned that, like you could remove the spaghetti and just they could have plain spaghetti or they could have spaghetti without the, you know, meat if they're not meat eaters yet mm-hmm. or whatever it is. Um, but I agree. I think the more you let them taste different things, the more their taste buds develop and they realize that, you know, the first time they ate Brussels sprouts, maybe they didn't like them. But the third time when you made them this way, mom, with that Asian sauce and they were crispy, like they, those were really good. And then right. they realize I do like Brussels sprouts. Yeah, but I think that using this kind of system, you know, ensures they're going to continue to be exposed to the Brussels sprouts instead of just saying like, ah, you don't like them. And then they never really make it on the table or on their plate ever again. So I really like that. And I think that that's a really easy mindset to just, you know, make sure that you're looping them in and making them feel like they're part of the process. Um, So number four then was consult your calendar. Yes. So this is actually what I love the most about meal planning because (laughs) I didn't used to operate this way. Like my husband is very much a planner and opposites attract. And I am like, you know, carpe diem one day at a time. So it makes me, I'm blushing because I can't, I'm like admitting that I'm really not type A. Um, (laughs) But it makes me look at my calendar for the week ahead and look at my family, like my children's calendar for the week ahead and my husband's calendar. So, and I really, we don't have some fancy shared Google calendar for our family. It's just things I've put in and I use my phone for my calendar. Some people like an old fashioned paper calendar, but I put in, you know, sports games that my kids have practices tutors rehearsals like everything goes in my phone so i know who has to be where and when i'm sitting down on sunday and looking at the calendar it also makes me realize oh no like there were some days when i had three kids playing sports that Mm -hmm. like we i would supposedly have to be in three places at one time on thursday afternoon so then i knew a I had to wrap my brain around that, how everyone was going to get where they had to be. But also that means that's a night that something's going in the slow cooker in the morning because there's no way I'm going to have the energy or the time to cook dinner that night. So it helps you strategize for like which nights are going to be nights where you're at home and maybe you have a spare 20 minutes to make a little bit more of a dinner. And when maybe you need to really have something going before you leave the house in the morning. Yeah, well, and I love this. I think it's almost kind of like the conversation we had about the notebooks where it sort of serves a dual purpose. And again, I'm always looking for those things that are like helping me out on multiple levels. And I think that's just exactly right. You look at the calendar with the idea that you're meal planning because you're like, all right, well, which night are we gonna have to you know, do something quick? Which night will I have a little extra time? Which night will, and I feel like most families can relate to this, what time will dinner will be at 4.30 and dinner will be at 7.30, you know, you kind of have to plan that out. And then I know exactly what you're talking about because I kind of do the same thing where you look, you know, Sunday evening, afternoon at your week ahead. And that's exactly right. You kind of can put that fire out a little early when you look at Thursday and you're like, well, there's no way that we can do all these things or that we can, you know, or I'm going to need some help 
transporting people left and right. Um, so I think that that too, it doesn't become Thursday morning where you look at your day and you go, oh no, this is a mess. So, yes. so it kind of serves for purposes. When my kids were younger, where I would look at the day ahead and have this like fire to put out the morning of. And I love the meal planning because you're putting out fires ahead of time. Totally. Totally. Um, Okay. So number five is fill in the blanks. So what does that mean for you? Okay. So I feel like then you, at this point, you've looked at your calendar. You kind of have an idea of what type of theme nights or rubric you're going to have so that you're not pulling from the millions of recipes available to you online. Like you're narrowing your focus. You've asked your family for some suggestions. At that point, like you should already have, you know, a meal plan started that's kind of coming together. And then there's maybe one or two nights left and you can say like, okay, what sounds good to me? Or I deserve takeout this night (laughs) because... I'm tired. And then as I got to have teenagers, I would ask my kids too if there was a night they wanted to cook dinner. Mm-hmm. And I I did that for a while. And then honestly, my kids got too busy with high school homework. Um, but they would either help me or sometimes they'd make dinner, especially in the summer when they don't have as big of a load uh, in terms of academics. They, I think it was last summer, I did a meal plan that was like, my kids' names are Avery, Brody, and Paige. And it would be like Avery's choice, Brody's choice, Paige's choice. And it became a competition between the three of them of like who made the most delicious dinner. And I loved it so much because I would be like reading my book. I mean, <laughs> it up. and you know, the kitchen, of course, would be destroyed after. So that might not be the best strategy for busy school nights, but it's also a fun thing to add in. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, like you said, and I always say, you know, it's this little light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm sure, you know, or I'm guessing that potentially that these kids have kind of grown up with you in the kitchen on and off helping out. Um, and so I think that those times are fun and sometimes stressful and messy when they're little, but they do pay off as they get older. Like you said, you're sitting there reading their book and your child's making dinner. And not only is that nice for you, but on the flip side, it's also, you know, those are super valuable skill life skills that they can yeah. take with them as adults. And so knowing not only do you get to sit by while they cook dinner, it's also like, I mean, ultimately our job as parents is kind of just to like help raise competent adults. And so right. I think that that's a huge step in doing that. I think so too. And it's funny, I teach this Boy Scout. So when you go through this Boy Scout process of becoming an Eagle Scout, there are all these badges that you have to earn. And one is the cooking badge. And I had to get approved as a counselor to teach this cooking class and be in I mean, it was very a serious process. And I my son was in the troop at the time and I was like, I have never been interviewed more um like seriously than by the Boy Scouts of America to see if I'm qualified to be a cooking teacher. But the the funny thing is I told our our troop leader, I'm like, my son could really teach this class. Like I have taught my kids so much about cooking that like they are totally proficient in the kitchen, which honestly I am so proud of because now I have a daughter in college that, you know, cooks with her her friends. And I love seeing that. That's awesome. 
Um, okay, so number six, decide when you'll shop and shop once for the week. Okay. So the shopping, like we talked about, can be online or in person. I used to shop on Monday mornings um, all the time, but Mondays are kind of a day when the shelves are bare because a lot of people have to shop on the weekend if they're working full time. And I just started, like you said, during COVID using curbside you know, pickup and delivery. So now when I meal plan, I look at what I have in my refrigerator, my pantry, my freezer. I love making a shopping list from home because I guarantee you, you're going to have half as many things on there. And if you're not in the store, you're also not tempted by all those. Ooh, those look really good. Like Mm -hmm. what are those potato chips? So I end up spending, like, I think yesterday my cart for the week ahead was $60. Wow. But that's because I'm looking at what I have. I realized like I didn't really need, you know, many extras. We had things that I was moving from the freezer and that was it. So you save so much money if you have a shopping list. And then I think just sticking to what works for you is the key. Like if you like to go in person, whatever day that is, that's fine. Yeah, well, and I think then you kind of talked about number seven, which was check your pantry and your fridge before making the list. Um, And I feel like these are always useful tips, but I think for a lot of people, you know, especially now with inflation and grocery prices and things like that, it's more important than ever um, for a lot of us to, you know, make sure that we're not wasting like you said kind of those impulse purchases buying things that we're not going to use like we're buying things you know we'll be throwing away later in the week because it wasn't part of any sort of plan um i think all of that really i mean always useful and important but for a lot of people especially now more important than ever yes than ever like the cost of food has gone up so much and i also just there's nothing that like breaks my heart more than throwing food away Mm -hmm. so when i can rotate things in or refresh them in a way that you know they go into an enchilada casserole like the chicken that you have left over that to me is like the ultimate I've won because I really don't like wasting food. It makes me feel terrible. I love it. Well, so um, I want to, I really appreciate you sharing these tips with us. I think that they're super useful, Um, simple, but like a framework that like anybody can get their mind around, very doable. uh, And I think will save you a lot of time, stress, and money in the long run. And I do want to make sure and mention, um, we have talked a little bit about it, but you do do these online cooking courses um, and online meal planning courses, actually. So can you talk to us a little bit about that? If anybody's kind of listening to this and they're like, I need this in my life, I want a little bit more direction, how do we do that? Okay, so my online cooking school is at smartinthekitchenschool.com and I have some free resources there to get people started. Like this meal planning workbook is a free download on that site. Um, I also have a monthly cooking membership that is an online cooking school and we cook together on Zoom once a month and there's a theme or a skill set or you know something we're tackling each month. Um, and I share six recipes a month with them and then i have these other courses i teach like um 
this meal planning course, which I usually teach it twice a year in January and in either late August or early September, which are, you know, great sort of restart and new year times. Um, so I'm teaching it this January and um, I don't have the days set in stone yet because I'm deep in this cookbook launch phase, <laughs> but it will start in mid January. And anyone who's on my my email list will get the information about that. Um, and I would love to have any of your listeners join me. I really like to connect personally with all my students and help them and strategize. And, and we sort of talk together like this on Zoom in our classes that go with the meal planning course about like strategies that will work for these families. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes people ask, will this work for me if we're gluten-free or will this work for me if we're vegetarian and I try to explain that yes because it's not so much about the food itself it's about the strategies for like making it happen I love that well that I think that like you said that if anybody's kind of getting to the end of this year and starting to consider new year's resolutions if that's something you do I love this one it's just something that's positive and going to bring some kind of order to the chaos of your life, meaning saving money, eating better, less stress. I feel like that's those are categories that everybody's usually looking at as they look into the new year. So I highly encourage anyone to check out your website, Smart in the Kitchen, sign up for your class uh, as something wonderful to do for yourself and your family this January. And we will also, we'll include links to that in our show notes, as well as links for your book, um, because I'm super excited to see all the recipes that come out in that. Thanks for joining us, Marsha. This is wonderful. Thanks so much for having me. This is such a fun conversation. Great. Thanks. Awesome. Well, that was that was wonderful. Thanks so much. And I will, uh, I guess I'll just, is there a link for your book somewhere that we should? Yes. Okay. If you go to smartinthekitchenschool.com, it's also on Amazon, but since I have such a small publisher, it won't be up on Amazon until tomorrow. On okay. The, well, this won't be out there. Okay. There, okay. There were there were no pre-sales for on Amazon for my book, but I did pre-sales myself from okay. Smart in the School, um, and that link will stay live throughout the whole book process. Perfect. So it's at the top of Smart in the Kitchen School, um, and you know, use any of those free download links anytime. The recipe books, whatever. Okay, we'll do that. This I think this episode will come out next Monday. So I think that's perfect because okay. your book will be out on Amazon and we can link all of that and that'll okay, be great. Awesome. And then I was gonna ask you if I could take a picture so that I can like tease this in sure. my in Okay. I'm opening up my phone. <laughs> okay, ready? <laughs> I probably look crazy in that photo, but I'm sure I do too, but that's all right. You look cute. Uh, I love it. Thank you so much. This has been really wonderful. Okay. Thank you. All right. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Feeding the Family. If you're enjoying these episodes, be sure to hit that subscribe button and we'll see you here next week.